Bible as I read. And the Bible says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And that's a good thing, isn't it? And to do what Jesus says. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying the Jews, containing two or three firstkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And you should. Anytime Jesus tells you something, do exactly what he says and do it to the best of your ability. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Now that took a little bit of uh, faith on their part to do what Jesus said, to take it right to the governor. I mean, and they didn't know what was in it. He had put, they'd put water in Okay, so they had to trust him that whatever was going to come out is going to come out good. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he knew not whence it was, but the servant which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Okay, now this is, this could be a test. I mean, you know, it's like, tell that guy, come here. And you know, the bridegroom's sitting there thinking, uh-oh, we got problems. But he says, look at what it says, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doeth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then at which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. The beginning of his miracles did Jesus at Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Let's pray. Father, please. I'm a simple servant, and I need you to help me to get across simple truth, but to help folks. I would pray that you would help folks today, no matter what their station of life is. I would pray that you would help them to be closer to you, no matter what uh, their need is. There's some that have been saved a long time and they just need encouragement to continue to serve you. And then there's some that are just now uh, seeing what it is to be a Christian and could you not encourage them to take a ne the next step. I pray God that you would help us today as we meet with you. Uh, to bring glory to your name, I would be your servant for a few moments now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can all be seated. The question is, do you want a good start or do you want a good finish? Do you want a good start or a good finish? And by simple-mindedness, we'd all say, well, I want a good finish. But to me, I want both. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but uh, I kind of like to have a good meal. I, I, when I eat a, a meal, I, I like to have uh, breakfast. I like to have bacon. 
You know, I like to have eggs. You know, I like to have a good cup of coffee. And, uh, but, you know, that last piece of toast, it's just not as big, but you got that one last piece of toast, and you reach over for some, some jelly to put on there, you know, and put that on there and eat it. I like it to start good, and I like it to end good. Amen? And with life, I think that's the way it should be too. The Lord knows that. He knows it better than we do. And uh, I think that we kind of think that if you become a Christian, oh, man, you're going to have a bad life because we deserve that, right? I mean, boy, I'm, we're going to have a bad time just simply because, you know, we're sinners. And uh, that's just how it's going to be. And uh, as a person who was saved later in life, I kind of had that terminology. I thought, well, they got to go out by all these rules, and, and I just don't want to get messed up with all that stuff. Yeah, I'm going to live it up while I can. And uh, so I thought, man, I just don't even want to be involved with that. I was growing up in the South. I grew up in the South where everybody had a Bible, and they had it on the coffee table. And everybody talked about that they loved Jesus. And I remember at Christmas time, my uncle, he, he had long hair and he had a beard. And they put a tablecloth around his shoulders. And they said, boy, he looks just like Jesus. We ought to get a picture of him. And I thought, man, that guy's the wildest dude in our whole family. <laughs> if there's anybody that looks like Jesus, it ain't him. <laughs> you know, but everybody just talked about it. They didn't know anything about it. Nobody in the family read the Bible. Nobody went to church. And I thought, man, this is, I don't know anything about it. And I thought, man, I'm not going to have anything to do with that stuff. And I remember they used to have a, the living room. You never went in the living room. That's where the preacher came, knocked on the door. He come in. They all sat around and talked to him. But they kept that room clean. And you wasn't allowed. The only person that went in there, that was Paul Paul, and he went to take a nap. You know, and he'd lay on the couch. But Nanny, my grandma, she'd come in there and chew him out. You know, what are you doing in here? You can't, do, you're going to get this place dirty. You know, get out of here. Well, I mean, he paid the bills here. I mean, he ought to be able to sleep on the couch, you know. And, uh, and so, so it was just like nobody knew anything about religion, but they all loved Jesus. I came up that way. Christian uh, Athlete Association. I remember coming up and here I was, the guy that was the, the oddball because I'd look at that and i think, that's the biggest bunch of junk. Those guys are all crooked, man. They're all bad guys. We play football together. They're on the Christian Athlete Association and they're all doing crazy stuff and they're saying they're Jesus people. I thought, man, that's, I ain't nothing to do with that. So it was kind of a shock to find out about Jesus. I got to the place, at the 82nd Airborne Paratroopers. My life was such a mess. I was, to the eye, I was doing real good. I looked good. I was physically sound and, and a very, very good uh, Army guy. And I was doing a lot of stuff, an elite soldier. 
And, uh, but on the inside, I was a mess. I didn't even like myself. I was trying to do all these physically thing, physical things, but uh, I, I, uh, actually, I think I was doing it because I didn't like myself. I was punishing myself, and I'd become physically strong and doing things that other people couldn't do. Now let's get to the Scripture. This Scripture... Uh, is probably theologically some of the best scripture you can read declaring Jesus as the Son of God and supernaturally uh, the King of kings and Lords of Lords. He's already been in the, the, uh, uh, the book of John necessarily is that way. It's talking about the divine spirit out of the four testimonies that you could read. But here it is. It's talking about uh, Jesus specifically and he's already been in the desert and met with the devil and won that battle. But this is when he steps into the ministry and uh, uh, to be uh, declared uh, having the ability to have miracles. And this is his first. This is when he makes the move to show everybody that he is who he's going to be, Jesus, the Son of God. There's a timetable spiritually that he's going to be on. Now, Mary gets in a hurry. Most women, that's what happens. They want things to happen now, especially with their firstborn. <laughs> you know, my, that special little thing. And Mary comes over and says, hey, we need some wine. And he said, woman, what am I to do with thee? <laughs> Amen? And uh, she didn't mind. You know, that was her son. But isn't it amazing how this theology works? This is a grand entrance of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the whole universe, the angels in heaven are all looking over the clouds watching him do the first miracle. Theologically, this is probably some of the best scripture you could ever read about Jesus, his first miracle. Now, it might not seem big to you, but it's big here. Two things it's going to try to uh, elaborate on is one is a marriage, a wedding, and the other, the church. Now, I could explain a lot of things here because I've been a pastor for almost 30 years. I could talk about the church, but what I want to zoom in is on the the picture of this marriage. I don't know how you are, but I'm telling you, I've, been, I've married over probably in the neighborhood of 200 couples. And uh, as a pastor, you spend a great deal uh, dealing with young couples getting married. It's fun. I, I mean, it is really fun. It's a lot of excitement. Anytime you have a couple come to your church, it becomes primarily the biggest thing you can have is a young couple coming to your church. And by the way, let me tell you, this staff is a wonderful staff. They're very given to their job. They love God. And I'm telling you, as a pastor of 30 years, these are good folks here, and you can trust them. So if you're coming, it's a good place to hang out. If you're not saved yet, this is a good place to get saved and be a part of this ministry. But listen... This right here is talking about Jesus, and he is going to do a great miracle, and he starts with at a wedding. Isn't that amazing? 
I don't know. Where could he have gotten started any better than that? There's plenty of miracles that you could look in the Bible and see what happens. But here, he gets started at a wedding. A lot of things get started at a wedding. I remember I married, uh, you know, some of my kids, and I have six, and I can probably go to Rachel's wedding. I can mention many things. But here is the common wisdom of my child getting ready to get married. Dad, don't make a long sermon. I haven't ever kissed a boy, and I'm in a hurry. Now, I didn't get that, but I did make it in a hurry, and soon it was over, she was kissing. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it was a great day. My firstborn girl, boy, she was just, she was just so beautiful, and it was a, a wonderful thing. And see, in that day, there was a huge deal about weddings. And, of course, we did, too, at our, uh, you know, our kids getting married. I had two boys before her, and, and we made a big deal. We had dinners at the house, dinners at the church. Everybody was invited, and in that day, that was a big deal, too. Families came together, and, and, and everybody was invited in town, and, and they had a big deal. Weddings were a big deal in that town and, uh, in that time. And so you can imagine where a, uh, a miracle could happen. The whole town, all the disciples, the people that would serve him for the next three years, three and a half years, they'd be able to see Jesus work in a young couple's life in front of the whole town. That's a tremendous thing. God loves you and he wants to be a part of your life. And he wants you to be involved in, in a, a marriage that's going to have him. Number one, I want you to understand that Jesus is wanting to be a part of a common marriage, a common life. A wedding is something that happens a lot, and it happens in everybody's life, and it should be a part of your life, and you should uh, uh, understand that he wants to be a part of, you know, you're going to say, well, well, Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm just this, or I'm just that. He doesn't want it to do with me because I'm a sinner, or, or I don't even have any Bible knowledge, or I don't know anything about God, or my family's never been that. Oh, yes, he does. He's done a lot so that he can be a part of your life. He's interested in you. And if you read the Bible, you'll find that he is very interested in you. And, and while that young lady sang that song, I was reminded of a uh, scripture that uh, just came to my mind in Psalms 139. Tremendous scripture. And it says this. It says, I'll read it to you real quick. It says, O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. God knows who you are. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. And, you know, when you're by yourself, whether in your, you're in your car or if you're in the living room or your bedroom and you're sitting there and you're saying, oh, if I only had a friend. Well, I know one person that could be your friend. And he knows your thoughts and your heart and how sometimes you're broken heart and you say, oh, God, I wish somebody could help me. He can and he will. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. He does. 
He cares very much for you. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and acquainted with my ways, for thou art not a word. See, there was a, a, a long time that I didn't think God even really cared if he even existed. I didn't think he cared about Greg. I was a screwed up individual, man. My mother had been married uh, five times and divorced five times. I didn't think it was possible to even be married. And if it was, it was going to end up in divorce in my thought life. My grandparents had been divorced after 42 years. My uncle had been divorced after 15 years. And in my mind, I thought, really, what's the point of even getting married? See what the world will do to you? Their path is don't even try. Amen? Jesus' first miracle was done at where? A wedding. So it must be pretty important, huh? He was trying to make a message. Something of a very common nature. He was saying, I can do something huge here. What was the circumstances? Very, very simple. It was a common thing called a wedding. He was looking at a couple of young people. He was looking at a place where all these people were gathered up with, you know, maybe some people were sitting there saying, boy, I'm just going to go for the food. <laughs> I know that's what I would have said. <laughs> Amen. Food, uh, weddings have changed a great deal. There used to be a time when you went to a wedding, it was, you know, hour, maybe two hours. There would be some food and everybody got something and went home. I mean, you might even know some uh, one of the two and you might. And then if you did, you might even bring them a gift. Amen. Nowadays, they're like three-day-long deals and like you go places. Like I, we, had one, <laughs> we had one wedding in our church and this young couple, and, and, and they came to me and said, Preacher, we're going to get married in Hawaii. I said, praise the Lord, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> you know? And they said, well, we're just going to get the preacher over there in Hawaii. I said, oh, thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> they said, well, it's a lot cheaper just to get one over there. <laughs> so, well, thanks, you know. How do you take your whole wedding bridal, you know, whole team over there to Hawaii? Well, they pay their own way. I didn't understand that. Hawaii. That's a wedding, dude. I mean, I don't even understand that, you know. But it's a common thing. Fellowship with family and celebration. Everybody's happy. It was a personal reason why Jesus was there. He was trying to make everybody understand that this young couple is very important. A union between a man and a woman and, and making it very important that this is where a, a young family is. They generate things that is just wonderful. God's for it and he loves it and he's excited about it. It's a key. He said, I'm going to make this exciting. I'm going to make it new. And he was really behind this. He was going to make it a miracle marriage. Now, you don't find out anything about the marriage, so it is just the thought of that marriage being 
incredibly good. And let me tell you something. Even by this marriage retreat, we had a wonderful time, and it was a great lot of fun. And, and, and he was kind of making up for it because he was saying it was a staycation and stuff like that. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't even think that your marriage is even worth having going to a meeting for one little meeting, he said, that's, that's something. Man, you need to get Jesus involved and, and, and work on having a marriage where two of you can look at it and say, hey, man, my marriage is worth it. I want to get us together, and I want to spend some time to it. And, and by the way, when you first start off, man, it's all fun and games. Man, you love each other. You'll enjoy just to get in the vehicle and drive around town and cruise. You say, man, it's fun just to go sit in a car together and listen to some music and go drive around, and it's exciting. But after you've been married 15 years, you say, hey, let's just go drive down to the store together. What? Are you crazy? Get out of here. I'm watching the game, man. You know? <laughs> Amen? But see, I want a marriage that's good at the start and at the end. Me and my lovely wife have been married almost 40 years, and I can attest that you got to work at it. I know she's been working at it. <laughs> Amen. I'm a crazy redneck, man, and it's been up and down, you know. <laughs> number one, it's, it, he wants to do a miracle and a common thing. But number two, it's about, a, it's about a call. If you notice in this story, they had to call Jesus to come. And let me ask you something. Do you think just coming to church is going to make your uh, marriage a great marriage? You think it's just going to be a great marriage, brother uh, Andrew? If you think that's going to, uh, if it's just going to be a great marriage because you come to church, you know the devil gets activated as soon as you say, "Hey, yeah, we're going to be a, we're going to go to church," and the devil says, "Oh, well, you're going to be the one I'm going to work on." The ones that's living in sin, he's he don't even care about them. He's not working on them. He's working on the ones that are being made where where Jesus is hanging out. And what you got to do is get serious enough to realize that I need Jesus right smack dab in the middle of my wedding. One particular time, this one couple asked me, they said, can you come do our wedding? I said, sure. I got a couple of things I don't like doing. And, and, I don't, and by the way, if I ever say anything adverse to this man, don't listen to me. You listen to him. But... Um, but I remember this one lady, she said, she said, you come and we're, we're going to have a reception afterwards and you come to the reception. I said, well, listen, I, I don't do those kind of things. I said, mainly because people have alcohol and I just don't do that. She said, oh, no, we don't do that alcohol thing either. Well, sure as world, she had it there. First time, boy, I was so mad. And she kind of ruined my reputation in that, you know. See, when you got Jesus there, you don't need it. The joy of the Lord is a part of that family and, and that reception is because Jesus is a part of it. The start all the way through the finish. And the, the, the commonness of uh, just having issues and problems, a young couple looking at each other and say, is this going to work? <laughs> Are we still going to be in a, a love relation a year from now? Are we still going to be married Five years from now or ten years from now? Can I tell you, with Jesus, you can be. And you will be. Because there's a commitment 
part of it that Jesus has never failed one time. And that's the kind of commitment I like. Don't exclude him. The Bible even talks about 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, he, he talks about, he says, if it's Jesus, he said, it's a commitment. And he says, truly, you can trust him. When he's called, it's all about Jesus. It's not about you or your abilities. The idea here is, and, and this is where I'm drawing to, is, is that when we start talking about Jesus, I start thinking about all the times in the Bible where there's religious uh, 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 relationships. I think about Jacob and Rachel. Those are some of my favorite. You think about Jacob and how that he went after this young lady and he said, man, she is a good looking lady. Man, I really love her. And, and the Bible talks about such a relationship where he just fell in love with her. And he says, man, I, I'm going to marry this girl. And, the, and her daddy said, well, you got to work for her seven years. And he works for seven years, and, and then he gets the second wife. I mean, you know, he didn't want her. The daddy said, well, you work seven more years, you can have the, the one you wanted. So 14 years he had to work before he got his wife. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not really cool at all. <laughs> but Jacob wanted her so bad that he stayed with her. And you know what? To the Bible story, you can read that he really did love her. And he loved her so much. And through the whole relationship. And you know what? She put up with a lot of things with Jacob too. But he really did love her. And I love that relationship in the Bible. I love the story about Hannah and Elkanah. And how that she wanted a child so badly. She almost went crazy. Elkanah stayed right there with her. And he was so frustrated. He said, am I not better than ten sons? And she was so given him, and she just, she went to God, and she just cried. And you imagine how that it is sometimes when your wife wants something, you want to give it to her, but she just, she, and, and the relationship is strained, but yet they stayed together, and God blessed them. See, the idea is that your marriage will go through trials up and down over a period of 50 or 60 years. We got a lady in our church that she was married uh, one marriage for 50 years or actually 48 and then her husband passed and then she married another man and they were married for 22 years so they was married basically for 70 years we asked her said how do you keep and her name's joy and i'm telling you the name is very fitting of her relationship and she's and and i asked her i said I said how is it that you stayed so sweet and, and married and they're in two different nursing homes right now but yet they come together and meet and and they hold hands when they meet and they fall asleep right together. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, my wife took a picture of them. And uh, they're just a wonderful lady. And they said, how is it that you keep such a good relationship after 70 years of marriage? She said, well, if you're both focused on Jesus, you'll be all right. The idea here is, is that there's a lot of fears in this world that they try to make it that you can't get along with a person and marriages don't work. And the miracle of marriage is, is to have Jesus and to call on him. It's a common thing. But to get Jesus involved, there's a miracle. I think about the, uh, 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 the Jacob and Rachel. I think about Hannah and Elkanah. I think about Esther and King Ahasuerus. Uh, as arise. And I think about him, and, and somebody says, What? What kind of marriage is that? Hey, listen, 
They both had jobs to do, and they were led by God because Miss Esther did something and saved her people. And King Ezra worked with her and made it happen. And I'm going to tell you something. That was a very strange marriage, but I'm going to tell you something. It worked. And their positions, and they got something done with God. Joseph and Mary. We all take that one for sure, but that was a very difficult relationship they had to have. But one of the best ones, and I've read about it many, many, many times, is Ruth and Boaz. I'm tremendously affected by Ruth and Boaz. And uh, I love it because uh, I think it's applicable to maybe even uh, me and my wife. I told you where I to the places to where I was getting ready to accept the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I was a mess. And one night at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I was, we had just gotten done with a job, and I'd got on a place, a, 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 a C-130, and we got off, and, and we just got back. We had traveled and did a job somewhere, and I got back and got on a bus, and we was traveling back, and a guy asked me about uh, Jesus Christ. And I said, no, I don't, know, I don't even know if I understand that. We, he showed me the Bible verses, and I bowed my head. And by the way, uh, just recently, we had the guy that led me to the Lord. We found him on Facebook. We brought him to our church. We had a big party. His name was Rick Laughlin, and he lives over in Missouri. But uh, brought him to our church. We showed, to, showed him off after 38 years. And he still went in souls. He's a little crazy, but <laughs> we brought him up. Brought him to the church, and he said, man, out of all the people I've ever led to the Lord or ever known, he said, I never thought you'd be a pastor. <laughs> we had a big time. What an exciting day that was, but he led me to the Lord. Within just a, a few, I guess a few months, I remember praying, and I prayed a little prayer. I said, now, Lord... I'm not a good Christian, and I don't know the Bible. But there's something that I always thought about. Do you think it's possible that I could pray and ask for something? And, and I went and asked my buddy. I said, is there something? And he gave me a little book, and it showed me how to pray, and I was doing just exactly what it was. And, and he said, if you prayed for something, pray for it just like a baby would. Just ask him. So I said, Lord, I would like to have a wife. I'd like to have a Christian wife. And I said, I'm kind of dumb about this Christian stuff, but if you would, make sure it sticks out so I would not miss this girl. And I don't know who she is, and I don't know what she looks like, and I don't really care. I don't even care if she's got a couple of kids. I just, you know, because in my mind, I just didn't understand anything. And, and I just said, I don't care who it is, just show her to me. Just make sure I don't miss her. And Brother Andrews, I was really certain about that because I just didn't want to walk by her and, you know, there's a little you know, little sign on top of her head and saying, this is it, you know, and I was just looking over here or something. I just didn't want to miss her. So about a week later, I was just so frustrated with life and the military and everything, and I was facing getting out, and I was just, and all my friends were drinking like fish, and I had given up alcohol and smoking and everything, and I was trying to live a straight life. I was going to church every week, and that was like a, unbelievable thing I was believing God I was praying and reading my Bible I was trusting God 
one of my uh, friends, he called me and said, hey, let's go get a steak. And we went to this place, and uh, we was going to get a steak, and he wasn't there yet. And I found a couple of girls there, and I said, hey, y'all want to sit at the table? I was looking for this girl, you know. <laughs> I had a couple of girls at the table, and I said, y'all want a steak? I'll sit and eat with you, and I'll buy, you know. And so we're sitting at this table, and this girl comes up, taps me on the shoulder. And, uh, you know, and I'm paying attention to these two girls. I'm getting ready to have a steak. She taps me on the shoulder. She says, hi, my name's Robin Flowers. So I had a day, uh, I had a dream last night that me and you was going to get married. And uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, she said, we're going to have a little baby girl. And if you want to talk to me, I'm going to go over to the Waffle House and you can come sit and talk to me. And these two girls were still sitting there, and they was looking like, they said, you're still going to pay for the steak, ain't you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, hang on a minute. And I called my friend. I said, you better get here. I'm leaving two girls with you, and the steak's ordered. Just take mine, and I'm, I'm going to go to Waffle House. He said, all right, whatever. And his name was Sergeant Zapata. Anyway, so I left there, and I went over to the Waffle House. I've always liked Waffle House. I liked it even better then, you know. <laughs> and I walked and I got over there and I went in and I'm not kidding you. This is exactly what happened. I walked over there and there was a table and she's sitting at the table. Beautiful. I mean, gorgeous. I thought, boy, I've hit the jackpot, man. <laughs> and I said, Lord, this is really sticking out, you know. <laughs> so I walk up to the table and she's gorgeous and everything. And then she says, wait a minute before we go any further. She said, listen, number one, I'm a Christian. She said, I don't believe in this going out and fooling around and everything. She said, I want to be honest with you. She said, number two, my husband was killed, and I've got two little boys. And then my mind went back to my prayer right then. And I wasn't no great Christian or anything. I just got started. But I remember that prayer. I said, God, can you show me the woman that was made for me? And I said, I want a Christian woman, and I don't mind if she has a couple of kids. And I said, God. And I slid down beside her, and I talked to her that night until 6 the next morning. We sat at that table. I drank so much coffee. <laughs> I ate everything that was on the you know, menu, but we talked and we fit like a glove. We'd both been through horrendous things. She had just lost her husband. He'd been killed in an accident. On the same post, we knew each other, uh, same people. We had same friends, but we never had met each other. And we'd both just been saved. We'd both had prayers and both had hurts. And God brought us together, and we had both accepted the Lord Jesus, and he was orchestrating our lives. The miracle is, we got married, and we were so happy together, and it started off beautifully. 
But now we've been married almost 40 years. And as I trusted him that day that when I prayed and asked the Lord Jesus for my wife, we have six children and, and we've had a great life and I'm now serving Jesus for the last 30 years. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what heaven's going to be like and that's going to be the end of it. But I'm going to tell you something. It's been pretty good since the first day. I don't know how it can be any better. So if you're sitting here trying to wonder what Jesus can do for you, look, the world, what they want to do is give you the first part and let it be really good. The wine story here is, is boy, you usually give me wine to start with, which is really good. And then at the end, you give me the bad wine. But the way it is with Jesus is he gives you good wine to start with, good wine at the end. It's talking about a spiritual thing that God can make sure your life is a, a, a great time from the start to the finish. And the finish is actually better. We don't even know what Jesus has ready for us. The, the place that he's prepared for us and we've been waiting for for so long. Guess what? It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be for eternity and it's going to be outstanding. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. When I was standing at that table at Waffle House and I was looking and my prayer was answered and it was the first one. I was looking and I was saying, boy, this is going to be awesome. That was that first bit of wine. I wasn't understanding that how good salvation was. I was just understanding that this was the first time I asked Jesus to do something. And he did it. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. But now after 40 years, I'm looking and I'm saying, look how many 200 people that I've, I've uh, married and thousands of people that we've led to the Lord. And, and, and how many, look, we've been pastoring for almost 30 years. Hey, we've seen a lot of stuff. But I'm looking and I'm saying, boy, praise the Lord. God's blessed. Look, if you're a young family, I'm going to tell you something. You better get Jesus involved in your marriage. Listen, I, you tell me I haven't seen marriages where people get into it. Look, when you've been married about 12 years to 15 years, you're going to have teenagers. And, buddy, you're going to need Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you got teenagers. You're going to need them. <laughs> And, buddy, I'm going to tell you, that's where you need. And you know what? Your relationship, you can't understand it. Your teenagers are acting crazy and everything. And you're wondering, say, man, why are me and my wife not getting along? Or maybe when you get into your later years and all the kids are gone. And it's a, the empty nest. And you're sitting there and you're wondering, how come we're not getting along? She's missing the kids. And you're wondering, and she's wondering who you are. <laughs> who is this guy that lives here? <laughs> Amen. You need Jesus. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus can do that miracle in your relationship. And that's the way it was planned. Because the marriage is key. There's a marriage that's going to take place in the future too. Jesus and his people. His church. I'm going to tell you something. The most... Uh, thing that I could get you to focus in on is, is get him involved. And from the very start, it's going to be sweet. And I remember when I first got saved, I was so excited to do anything that God, and I was able to say no to a lot of stuff. But the, the one thing you could say yes to is him. I've been excited. I, I've been a pastor in the, the place that I pastor now. The people are so sweet and so kind, and, and they've been so good to me and my wife. But we have to follow Jesus. We have to do what Jesus wants us to do. 
My relationship is with him. I'm willing to work for him. I'm willing to do anything. And you know what? He lets me have a wife that loves me. And that's the sweetest part about it. I, I watch uh, Heath and Rachel and how they, they have their children. And, and I get to enjoy the grandchildren and, and, you know, throw money on them and stuff, take them places. We did all kind of crazy stuff yesterday. You know, mom and daddy, I left them at home. And I took some of the kids and we went to Walmart and we spent and bought and ate and all kind of stuff that they don't know about. And uh, it was fun. But this temporary stuff, you know, me and my wife, we've had a great time together for 40 years. But I still have never forgotten that Jesus is the one that gave her to me. Because I asked him for her. Your mate was given to you by Jesus. That's what makes it sweet, isn't it? Can I tell you this? God loves you. He's interested in you. And he might have just gave that mate to you because it's just what you need. The story is it can be just as sweet at the end as it is at first if you get Jesus involved. The governor looks down and he says, man, this is awesome. This is the first time this has ever happened. Isn't that good? Doesn't mean you're not going to have rough times every now and then. But it does mean this. You figured out who was the one that gave it to you. He can do great things with you. You can be a great daddy. You say, I'm not capable. Oh, yeah, you are. Get Jesus. I can't be a good mama. My past. Forget the past. He paid for that. But it starts about accepting Christ. That's when it starts. Get him involved. So let me ask you. Do you have Jesus? Do you want him to start? Do you want him to finish? Or do you want him the whole time? That's the question today. Do you have him? Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer.